So, today we're going to dive into another language. A language that some of you may already be bilingual in. It's called Christianese. I'm just kidding. Some of you may know these terms. I actually picked up that, that term from uh, Pastor Daniel several years ago, and I thought it was really fun. But we're actually just going to talk about a well-known word within the Christian faith, and that word is faith. And we've been talking about it for a while, and it can be difficult to kind of put this concept of faith into words. And so I was going to make this a little bit more interactive with you guys as well, and I was going to open it up. What is faith. Feel free to call out what, what, what you see as faith. No wrong answers. Shh, too many people speaking at once. What's that? Believing without seeing, yeah. What else? What's faith? What does faith mean to you? Trust. Hope. Expectation of a hope. Of our hope, yeah. It's interesting, a lot of different understandings of this word that we use pretty much every week. Every week you'll probably hear somebody talk about faith or, you know, my faith was this, that, the other thing. But we all kind of see faith a little bit differently. And so I had a fun uh, definition that I actually uh, heard. Um, It was... uh, Kind of simplified, but I thought this really summed up what faith is. It is believing and acting as though the character and word of God is true. It is believing and acting as though the character and word of God is 100% true. You notice that I didn't just say that it's a mental exercise. It's not just something that you think about. Faith isn't just a thought. But it also becomes tangible. It comes out in the way you act, your behavior, your character. Because what you believe on the inside is what comes out on the outside. My dad used to say when I was growing up, he said, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And so uh, this is something that the way we believe, what's on the inside will eventually manifest or come out in the way you act, the way you talk, the way you speak. So it's, it's like two parts. So let's talk about some of your favorite stories of faith. This is a little more interactive time. What are some of your favorite stories in the Bible that come to mind when you think of the word faith? By faith they were sawn asunder. There was, uh, I think that in reference to those in the New Testament, that as they shared their faith with everyone, they got persecuted and eventually lost their lives. What are some other stories of faith in the Bible? Some characters of faith. Peter walking on water. He sees Jesus and he says, let me go to you. And he walks on the water because his eyes are fixed on Jesus. He believed that he could walk on water with Jesus. Yeah, that's a lot of faith. I would still be in the boat most likely. Sitting next to you. No, I'm just kidding. What are some other stories of faith? Esther. She says, appointed for such a time as this, she went and risked her life to go to the king, and she could have been killed for going to him, but she was willing to do it on faith that she would rescue her people from this impending doom that had been done by Naaman. What else? Another story of faith. Give me another one. The woman who had an issue of blood. There's a story of this woman who goes to Jesus and she doesn't even like get a chance to talk to him. He's in the crowd and she touches his garment 
and she had an issue. It, it, we're not too sure exactly what it was. We just know it was a bleeding issue. And it says that the moment she touched the, his garment, she was healed. One more. Last one. Abraham, David, and Goliath. All wonderful stories. It's interesting, when we think of these stories of faith, how many of these stories sound like people sitting around and partaking in mental exercise? No, that's kind of silly. All these stories of faith are demonstrated or shown by what they do with their faith. And so it kind of becomes a, a, a dual edged sword. In fact, if you read, what's a famous chapter of faith? One of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible of faith is Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, I heard it nicknamed the Hall of Faith, instead of the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith. And they go over many of these characters like Abraham, Noah, Moses, Elijah, Joshua, Gideon, all these men and women of action, Deborah. So it's not just a mental component. But we do want to start there, and that's where we're going to start, actually, is with that mental component. We can't ignore the fact that you have to have a belief. There has to be a thought. There has to be something on the inside that is telling your actions how to behave. So we're going to take a look. First, it starts with a belief. Let's read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. I'm reading from the NIV Hebrews chapter 11, or sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. My bad. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So is faith pretty necessary to our tenants as Christians? Yes, we want to please God. And without it, it would be impossible. Because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he is, or he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek him. So the first is you have to have a faith that God is there, that he is faithful, that he is true. It is not a blind faith, mind you. That's one of the things that I, I used to always think was for faith, especially the Christian faith, the idea that you just, well, you can never really know or understand. It's completely blind. You just have to believe it, right? Sometimes we feel like that in our faith. But I don't think that's actually a good way to look at our faith. If you put your faith in anything, you do it for very good reasons. If you get in your car or you get into an airplane, it's because you believe that airplane or that vehicle is going to get you to where you go. If you looked at the airplane or the car and it looked like my sister's Dodge Omni that I grew up in, that was uh, you could literally see the pavement under your feet as you were driving, you have and to put your faith into that kind of silly. See, faith what you have when there is good reason to believe. Oh, I'm sorry if my microphone's cutting in and out. How about this? We'll go old school. Red? There's the red. All right. Um, We've been having some issues with our wireless systems. The, it, sometimes it just cuts out randomly, and I haven't figured out what's causing it yet. But anyways, faith is what you have when there is good reason to believe it. It shouldn't be blind. In fact, if you were to willingly believe in something that you know is not good to believe in, I would call that silly. I would call that 
quite frankly, in plain English, kind of dumb to believe in something you shouldn't put your faith in, something that's untrustworthy. That would be a silly belief. Tim Mackey, who is one of the uh, speakers in the Bible Project and one of the creators, he had this quote, and I wrote it down when I heard it because I thought it was wonderful. He said, I don't believe God because I can muster up the emotion or a blind enthusiasm, but because of real experiences with who he is. He is faithful. And when you encounter him as faithful, it is not silly or blind to put your faith in it. And so I had this wonderful little video that they, the Bible Project put together about the character of God. God is faithful. And so in just a second, we'll play that. But if you put your trust in something that's reliable, that's good, right? And if you don't, or sorry, if you put your faith in something that isn't reliable, that's silly. And so we want to know, is God truly faithful? Now, we can look at all a bunch of different stories, but I thought this was a wonderful put-together condensed video of showing God's faithfulness. And so this is Bible Project on the word emet. If you try to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this last characteristic of God. It's the Hebrew word emet, which can be translated as faithfulness or even truth. It's related to another word you've probably heard before, amen, which is an untranslated Hebrew expression meaning that's truth. So emet can mean truth and it can refer to correct ideas or concepts. This is because emet has to do with stability and reliability. Like when Moses holds up his hands for hours to defeat Israel's enemies, the Amalekites. His friends put a rock under him and support his hands so that his hands will remain emet or steady. When emet is used of people, it describes reliable and stable character or trustworthiness. Like when Moses appoints leaders in Israel, they're to be people of emet, people who are trustworthy, who won't take bribes or distort justice. So to say that God is full of emet doesn't just mean that God tells the truth or stands for truth. It means that God is faithful and trustworthy. This is why Moses calls God a rock, saying that he's faithful, just, and upright. He's saying that he can trust God to be consistent to his character. And the Hebrew word for trust is actually the verb form of the word emet. It's he'emin. It can be translated as to believe or to have faith, but most basically it means to consider someone trustworthy or to trust. The first person we meet in the Bible who considers God to be trustworthy is Abraham. God makes a promise that Abraham and his wife Sarah will have a huge family and that through them, all nations will experience God's blessing. But Abraham and Sarah are really, really old, and they've never been able to have any children. And yet, in the face of these challenges, Abraham means God. He considers God trustworthy to open a way forward. And God does show Emet to Abraham and Sarah. In just four generations, their descendants form a whole nation called Israel. And God invites Israel into a trusting and faithful relationship. And when God leads them out of slavery in Egypt, Israel means in God. They trust and rely on him. But when they come to the land God promised to Abraham, and they find out it's filled with giant cities protected by giants, their trust in God's Emet fails. 
But eventually we meet an Israelite who does trust God in the face of giants. It's David. He yells at the giant, you come with a sword and a spear, but I come with the name of the God of Israel. David consistently relies on God. In fact, it said that David walked in Emet before God. So David considers God to be faithful and responds with faithfulness. This is why God promises to raise up a faithful descendant of David, whose kingdom will endure forever, or in Hebrew, have emet. This faithful king will become the source of trust and stability for others forever. But when the kingdom later collapses, the Israelites find themselves without a home and without a king. And they cry out, Oh God, where is your loyal love that you swore to David in your emet? They're accusing God of abandoning his promises to Abraham and to David. Is God trustworthy? Is he faithful after all? The first line of the New Testament is an answer to that question. This is the lineage of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In other words, through Jesus, God fulfills his promises. Or as Paul says, Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness. He is the faithful king whose kingdom will endure forever and who invites all nations to trust God. Now, trusting anyone is risky. It's hard to know if anyone is really full of emet. But the biblical story portrays a God who's been faithful all along and whose promises were fulfilled in the story of Jesus. And so as we look out at the obstacles facing us and our world, we're invited to take that same risk and join Abraham, David, and the people of God in trusting that God is overflowing with faithfulness. Is our God faithful? Is our God faithful? Amen. He is worthy of our trust. He keeps his promises all the way from Abraham and thousand, I think from Abraham to Jesus would probably be about 2,000 or more years. He kept his promises. Our God is faithful. He is worth putting our trust in. So if God is faithful, what's the second side of that coin? The trust and there's a song called Trust and Obey, yeah. Faith becomes an action. What you put your faith, what's down in the well, comes out in the bucket. And so in Hebrews 11, it says you must first believe that God is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's two sides of the same coin. Our faith isn't just a mental exercise, but it also has an action component. It's how you behave. It's how you act. It's demonstrated what you believe. In James, he puts it this way. James chapter 2, verse 18. But some will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. So James saw it as both interchange or uh, intertwined. What's, uh, what's more important, faith or action? It's a trick question. They both are. It's like asking which side of the scissors is most important. Can you use scissors with only one, one blade? It doesn't work. And so it's a dual-edged sword. You see, God works through your faith by your actions. 
God works through men and women of faith to accomplish his purposes here on the earth. He uses your faith. Your faith is the instrument that his purposes are accomplished through. Think of Abraham, David. They believed God. They were faithful. And God was able to accomplish a pretty major purpose, Jesus. Jesus came through that line because they were faithful. And so, application. What do we do with this? How do you behave? How do you act as you believe? Well, it's a step-by-step process. If you wanted to drive across America, if you were on the mainland, you hop in a rental car in California and you're going to New York, and you got in your car and you said, well, God, I'll go to New York as soon as you make every light green along the trip. Does that make sense? No. It wouldn't make sense to have that sort of thought in in any sort of plans we make, that we need all the green lights to line up before we act. We need to take God step by step. And it's actually, I have this image here, it looks like a positive feedback loop. It's a step-by-step process, but it works like a feedback loop. So basically, the more faith you have, the more it implicates and comes out in the way you behave. As you behave and take risks and follow God, you see what? His faithfulness. And when you experience and have his faithfulness and you have that experience, what does it build? Your belief, your faith. And the more faith you have, the more it indicates and shows up in the way you behave and act. And then you see God's faithfulness, and I could do this all day, it goes back. It builds your faith again. And so it's a positive feedback loop. A little scientific term for you. So I want you to ask, I wanted to ask you today, I want to evaluate, I want you to just take a moment, evaluate, are you being rational? Are you putting your faith into something that is worthwhile, that is truly trusting, trustworthy? Or do you find yourself when problems come or as you're about to make plans or set something up that you put your faith into yourself, maybe the people you're with, maybe how much resources you have or money you have saved up? Are those things shown to be faithful or are those just the things that are tangible that you're able to see and experience right away? Evaluate, where is your faith in today? Is it yourself? That's where I usually find myself. It's like, I can tackle that. Just, just give me some time. I'll figure it out, right? Is that worthy of your faith? Because what happens? The harder I try to not sin, what ends up happening? The more I realize what a sinner I am, right? It's not until you really try and do these things in your own strength that you realize how incapable you are of them. Where is your faith in today? And are you acting according to where you put your faith? If you're a Christian, you believe that God is faithful. And that's where our core of our faith and our strength comes from. Do we act? Do our actions match that? When somebody walks by and sees your life, do they see, oh, that person acts as though God is really true, is really alive in their life? Another thing my dad used to say and stuck with me is, let's say that being a Christian became illegal tomorrow. You weren't allowed to be a Christian. If you were a Christian, you would go to jail. And so uh, they're going around, they're rounding up everyone that's a Christian tomorrow. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? 
And that, that, that was convicting in and of itself on my life. So we need to act accordingly. Our actions need to demonstrate what we believe. Don't be afraid to fail, though. Don't be afraid to fail. The Bible is full of stories of characters that are failures, that have multiple failures throughout their lives, but they never give up. So don't be afraid that, well, I believe God, but I don't know how to act. Sometimes you got to say, well, I know God is faithful, so I'm going to take that first step, and I'm going to trust that he's going to meet me where I step. And as he does, it builds your faith. So don't give up. And don't be afraid to fail as you act out his faithfulness in your life. How many of you guys have ever heard of the uh, Christian artist Rich Mullins? He wrote several famous songs in the 90s. He was a Christian artist who uh, he was a little bit off the normal path. He ended up doing all kinds of crazy experiences in his life. And he has a song that we're going to close and sing with today about step by step he leads me. But... Uh, before, before we did, I just wanted to show this video of him talking about God's faithfulness. And so here's a quick little video of Rich Mullins sharing on God's faithfulness. We've all been led to believe that if we don't put our faith in ourselves, we're not going to accomplish anything. I don't think that's true either. Let me ask you this. When David uh, stoned Goliath and then cut his head off, where did he say his faith was? Did he say, I'm going to cut your head off, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air, because I know I can do it? Is that what, he, is that what David said? What did David say? He, basically, what he said is, is what you're getting at, is that because there is a God, I will do this, so that you will know that God lives in heaven. His faith was not in himself, his faith was in God. Our faith is not in ourselves. If our faith was in ourselves, we could never afford to fail. Who wants to go through a life where you never fail? What a drag. Perfection is boring, folks. People who are perfect are only perfect because they are nothing. Anyone who ever did anything messed up. I love the proverb. It's one of my favorite proverbs that says, and, I, and I, I can never get it straight. I've worked so hard at memorizing it. I have it written over my mirror. It goes, uh, where, the, where the stall is empty, oh, where there are many oxen, the stall is messy. No. Wrong again. Where the stall is empty, where there are no oxen, the stall is clean. But with many ox, there is much strength. Do you know what that means? How many of you grew up on a farm? Where there's life, there's many wonderful things about Where someone is living, they're going to make mistakes. One of the wonderful things about when we read the gospel, one of the wonderful things about the records that we have of the apostles is that they really did make mistakes, not only, be at, not only before Pentecost, but even after Pentecost. Even after they were indwelled by the Holy Spirit, Peter still had hang-ups about Gentiles. He still made mistakes, and yet the wonderful thing is, Peter's salvation was not based on his being perfect. Peter's salvation was not, his faith was not based on his perfect grasp of every doctrine and every truth in the world. Peter's faith was based on the reality of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished. Peter did not believe in himself, even though he had the courage to stand in front of huge crowds of people and preach the gospel. It wasn't because he had confidence in himself. 
is because his faith was in God. We are told to believe in ourselves and the end result of believing in yourself is you end up putting a lot of pressure on yourself because you've got to be worthy of that faith. The wonderful moment of freedom is when you can finally say, you know what? When I die, I will rot. When I die, they will put me in the ground because if they don't, I will stink up the place so bad that people will be repulsed. And it will be better to be buried than to stink. Ultimately, that's what I amount to. Thank God that there is a God who is beyond me. Thank God there is goodness beyond my goodness. Thank God there is grace beyond the grace I am able to extend. Thank God there is life beyond my life. I believe that I will be resurrected not because I will of myself have the power to pull myself out of the grave, but because I believe there is a God who loves me and who will raise me up give me a new body and man I've got a great one picked out amen we don't put our faith in ourselves or things or anything else but we act according to God's faithfulness we act according to seeing Jesus work in our lives and the Holy Spirit and so as I invite the worship team up I'm just gonna invite us all to pray maybe you're on step one maybe you haven't had that chance where you really believe that God is, that you haven't had that experience where you think God is faithful. And so we're going to have a chance to pray, and we're going to pray right now. If you're in that camp, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would reveal yourself to those that are seeking for you, that don't really know whether to trust you, that don't know if you're faithful and true, that what you're saying about life and how to act and all this, if, if it if if you're just making it up, maybe it was made up by somebody else, are you true, God? I ask that you would answer those heart questions to them right now, that you would bring along people in their lives, that their situations and their thoughts would be directed towards you and that they would get a chance to taste and see that you are good, that you are emet, faithful. And now some of you might be more like step number two. I believe God is. I know he's there. I've seen his faithfulness. I just don't know how to act. I'm too scared to get, to get my feet wet, as it were. And let's put that to prayer. Heavenly Father, some of us here don't, don't know what to do with our lives and how to respond to you, knowing that you're faithful and true, but we're scared. We might be worried. We might be embarrassed. And I just ask that you would meet those with where they're at that you would show them as they step out on faith that you are good, that you are true. Give them courage to do those things that you're calling them to. Give them the wisdom to know which way you're guiding them. And Lord, that you would be directing their lives and helping them to step out on faith in the way they speak, the way they testify, the way they share the gospel with those around them. Give them that courage. May they know that you are faithful and true. Rich Mullins, um, sad, sad story, uh, in the late 90s, he, he actually passed away. He was on, a, on the interstate on his way to a concert, and uh, he was going to perform, and there was a car accident, and he got flung from the car, and he got hit by a semi-truck and died. And, uh, and I was just thinking about that. I was like, here's a man that 
even though everything in his life happened, he had a, an engagement that ended up falling apart. He had multiple things. He went all over the world. He worked with the First Nations tribes for many years. And I can still see him in his song that he wrote. It's called Step by Step, that it didn't matter. He knew that God was faithful and true, even when the circumstances didn't look like it. So if your circumstances don't look by, like it, like they should today, I just ask that you take the first step, and as we sing this song together, maybe you haven't sung it in a few years, it was stuck in my head, uh, you would step out on faith, and we just pray in Jesus' name that as we leave here, we would act and represent Jesus and you well, God, that you would encourage us, strengthen us, fill us with your Holy Spirit. It says that out of us would flow rivers of living water. And so, Lord, that all around us would be touched by the life of you in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.